Hello and welcome to another edition of Chesapeake Hockey Week. I'm your host, Scotty Waz. How are you guys doing? How is it, uh, how's it, uh, how's it going? We're at the end of March. How about, Jesus, really? Yikes. Any case, uh, we'll go clubbing this episode. We'll uh, look at the women's club teams from this season, how they did, how they performed, and some awards as well uh, in all of this because there were some awards handed out at the national level, and we'll get to that in a bit. But before that, uh, the only game in town right now, the Maryland Black Bears were up in Maine as they took on the Maine Nordiques for the last time this season. And uh, crucial points, everything's log jammed. Everything is tighter than a mason jar during canning season. No idea what that meant either, everybody. We're going to roll with it. Um, and it was, whew, I, how do you describe these games, um, I guess, audibly? And uh, you can't. It was a knockdown dragout fight Friday, a knockdown dragout fight Saturday, and controversy on Saturday night as well. We'll get to a little bit about that um, when we get to Saturday's game. But obviously, you have to start at Friday. It was a not a great start, an inauspicious start for your Maryland Black Bears getting things going. Uh, Maine quick to get on the board five minutes in. Maine really just kind of handling the attack a bit. And then in transition, getting behind the Maryland defense a little bit. Uh, Patrick Schmedlin gets a cross-ice pass. He puts it home past a sprawling Michael Morelli, uh, and that is a one nothing game. Uh, the Black Bears still trying to get in it, still trying to you know make things happen, but the uh, penalty boogeyman in the middle of the frame kind of got to him, uh, killed off a power play, uh, or, or almost killed off a power play until the late seconds of it, and Schmedlin gets another goal as uh, he... He was able to come through the slot and get a pass right there. No one no one on him, and then boom, 2-0 in this one. Maryland would jump back into it. They put pressure on Gus Holt, uh, Gus Holt who uh, I thought played very well on Friday, and uh, but gives up the first goal to Adam Shankula, his first NAHL goal. Getting a rebound on the side of the net, just right there, right place, right time off a uh, Ryan Bottrell shot. He puts it home for, like I said, his first of the year, first of his NHL career. Ryan Bottrell, his 40th assist of the season. Trace Johnson picking up a secondary for his fifth of the season. Uh, less than three minutes later, uh, Maine gets the two-goal lead back as just traffic in front. They were putting a lot of traffic on Michael Morelli in front, and uh, they get this one to go through as Brendan Gibbons just tips one off the point, goes home 3-1. to one. But Maryland not backing down. Uh, they kept on plugging away, and then just a wheel play around the uh, around the end, and Leo Schwartz pots his first of the uh, season, first of his NHL career. Great shot from the point, a great little tip over by Connor Cole, and uh, we got ourselves a one-goal game. Connor Cole getting his uh, Leo Schwartz first of the year. Connor Cole, 22nd of the season. Irving Tewilliger getting uh, getting a a look at it. The MSJ product. Uh, go Gales go. He gets his first NAHL career point in this one, and I thought he played very well with uh, Aiden Brewage and Brad McNeil this entire weekend. Uh, so I think that, you know, he hopefully we get a little tender, a little tenderness in this one. But that's just the Mount St. Joe guy in me uh, talking about that. Uh, again, undaunted, the Black Bears keep the pressure on, and then Aiden McDowell on the power play. Maryland making short work of the power play, a salary power play 
as they don't get paid by the hour. Aiden McDowell, a nice little wheel play all the way around, went off the faceoff, works it back all the way around, and there's Connor Cole to set up Aiden McDowell for his second of the year. Cole's 23rd assist, and Jesse Horacek in the corner, uh, the far corner, setting that one up on the power play with 103 remaining. We got a 3-3 game, six goals total in the first period. Um, so that was uh, that was a exciting catch-your-breath kind of moment on that. But Maryland did give up two power play goals. The Gibbons goal was also in the power play on the tip there. So two power play goals for Maryland, not necessarily what they want to see, uh, especially for a penalty kill that has been solid all season. Uh, but that, you know, it is what it is. They were able to get it back. Determination, get that thing in there. Uh, Maryland did get out of the blocks quick. A lot of chances in front. But 133 in, Ryan Botchel didn't give up uh, on the puck in the neutral zone. He found Elliott LaRoe in the slot. And then there you go. Four to three Black Bears lead LaRoe his 10th of the season. Botchel 41 assist. And Maryland kind of putting the pressure on, keeping the pressure on, uh, making sure that Gus Holt know that he was there. A couple chances from Botchel and Connor Bennett, but Holt right there on the spot. Uh, media timeout. Right after that, Maine would tie it up. Turnover at the Maryland Blue Line. A lot of a, a decent amount of turnovers in the defensive zone uh, towards the second half of the first game and, and some of the second game as well. But uh, Maine was able to capitalize on this. Johnny Myers finding loose puck. Massive humanity in front. Threw it home. And we got ourselves a 4-4 hockey game. But less than two minutes later, Ryan Bottrell, who was a splendid player all weekend. He was uh, Friday night especially. He was just buzzing around the net. He was due for one. He already had two assists, and he just walked out of the half board on this one, found open space, wired at home for his 16th of the season, putting Maryland back up 5-4. McDowell with his ninth assist of the year, and Shankula with a, a uh, his first NHL assist. So night of first for Adam Shankula. Uh, so we got ourselves a 5-4 hockey game, and that's kind of where it stood. Maryland was trying to uh, make sure things were going, trying to make sure that Maine's speed and passing ability uh, was, you know, held at bay for the most part, but unfortunately, that's not what happens. I mean, you look at all the things that Michael Morelli did, and, and while the shot the the shot counter and maybe the goals against didn't tell it, Mike Morelli played a hell of a game. I think that he was a remarkable player out there. He stopped a lot of tough shots. He was in, in the zone. A lot of the shots, he, you know, just screens in front. I don't think many a goalie uh, would have handled that, but Morelli made a lot of, of just Solid saves to keep this team in the game. Uh, so I think that that, is, uh, that should be said especially. Um, but uh, as, uh, as things go, Zion Green uh, able to redirect uh, – or Brian, Brandon Gibbons was able to redirect the Zion Green shot for his second of the game. Again, traffic in front. Morelli just, you know, just changes direction on you, and away you go. We got ourselves a 5-5 five, five game. I think it was Brad McNeil late in the game got into the action too. Morelli was, uh, you know, stopping some shots, uh, going across the crease. And the next thing you know, I don't know if it, I could, I thought it was 25, could have been 28, could have been something else. But um, I say McNeil, and I think that's what uh, what uh, Nick Withry uh, said that as well in the broadcast, and uh, got himself in front of it, kept the game tied, pushed it to overtime. A couple chances on. On this one, and Maryland's power play or penalty kill came up huge in the last few seconds. A, a boarding call in the overtime. Maine worked it around, just could not get shots through. Shots blocked. Uh, Morelli was able to get in there. He was able to stop some shots, settle the game down a bit. 
the, the power or the penalty kill was tremendous on the four on three, and that pushed it to a shootout. Maryland gets first shot. Jack Blanchett potted home his for the first one. Maine tied it up with Reese Farrell on their second shot, and then in the extra shooters after three shooters, they did not have a decision. Cap and Connor Cole, uh, a nice little tuck job on Holt. Morelli, a big poke check on Gibbons, and that's all she wrote. Maryland snaps their five-game losing skid, and uh, they go on to win 6-5 to five in a shootout. Morelli, uh, 40 saves in this one, a huge effort for him. Uh, like I said, played very, very well. Uh, goal, you know, don't let the goal total fool you. He played magnificent, and it, it, it was a... I think a good thing to see going down the stretch that these th- this team is not going to let something get to them. They're not going to let these these leads uh, that other teams may put on them, they're not going to get down on it. They were able to claw back in this one, able to get the win, able to keep the uh, keep the power play at bay in overtime. So I think it was a huge, huge victory, a, a, a character victory, as some would say, uh, to get this one in there. Saturday night. Man, it was Saturday night was an interesting game. Saturday night was a tighter checking game. It was a game that uh, I think was obviously not as wide open. How could it be when you have six holes in the first? But uh, hits hits were coming. It was a physical one. It was a big boy game out there on Saturday night, and uh, a lot of physical play early. Some offensive chances going t'other way. But it wasn't until the middle of the period when Miles Gunty, right place, right time, tips home a Connor Cole shot, and uh, right off the faceoff. And uh, there you go, Black Bears early lead. That's Gunty's tenth of the year. Elliot Laroe actually probably was his uh, his shot, his seventeenth of the season. Connor Cole did get his assist, twenty four uh, on the year for him. Maryland's power play got they got a power play right after the goal, but there was some miscommunication. Between the power play and their own end, Maine got a splendid uh, shorthanded chance, but Luca DePasco able to keep that at bay and uh, keep Maryland up going into the second period. But the aggressor role was all Maine in that second period. Created plenty of chances going forward, keeping the play in their own zone, not letting Maryland break out, not giving them good breakouts, really clogging up the neutral zone as they are wont to do. And we saw a lot of that in the East Final last year. I mean, some of the players may have changed, but the philosophy still there on that but the Pasco was playing solid himself uh but uh yeah it was a it was a good good game a good way to hold off pressure but the pressure would finally be a little bit too much for Maryland as a turnover and uh and a couple of chances in front resulted in Seth Merch getting his first NHL goal weekend of first for this one off the post and in ties it up and then right after that another Maryland turnover uh, and Caden Patterson makes no doubt about it. Less uh, a minute and 31 later, he puts home his fourth of the season. Maine quickly up two to one. A uh, transition game in the neutral zone went the other way this time, as Maryland was able to get their uh, feet moving a lot better through the neutral zone after a few adjustments. And Connor Cole able to pick up a loose puck in front after a uh, heck of a chance by Elliot Leroux. In front, uh, trying to get it in. Cole was able to get it through the mass humanity. Pot home his ninth of the season. Leroux, his 18th assist. And Miles Gunty getting an assist as well. Uh, his ninth of the year. That line played really well, too. I think all all four lines played amazingly well this year, I think. Or this year. This week. Uh, this weekend. They knew what the, uh, what the objective was. And they were able to follow through on that. So, two to two. On to the third period. 
little counter on the four check. The main four check was solid all weekend long, and Maine was a, or Maryland was able to counteract that in the third period. Got the puck out of the zone, created chances through the neutral zone, uh, but uh, a couple of prime chances just missed everything. It was a lot of Windex shots uh, trying to get that equalizer. It, you know, it, it's a good thing trying to get traffic in front, trying to get a tip here, there, and everywhere, but if the shot doesn't go towards them, it's going to be hard to get that redirect onto that. Maine adjusted as well. They started to clog up the middle, making Maryland make bad passes, turnovers just outside the zone. DePasco had to be quick. The defense was able to recover. Uh, neutral zone battle for the latter part, and hey, look at that. We're going to a overtime, and this is where controversy happened. So, there was a power play for Maryland, and they were working the puck around, doing what they do. Shot on in front, rebound out to Connor Cole. It got past Holt, and then it cleared away. Connor Cole picks up the clear, shoots it home. Elabu, game over. Let's get back on the bus or flight or pigeon that we came on and get out of here. Um, however, there was there was a little of ruckus from the Maine Nordiques, maybe rightfully so. But uh, Adam Shankula in front. Uh, Gus Holt was about two feet out of the crease and trying to reach over Holt to get the loose puck. Shankula knocked over Holt, laid on top of Holt, uh, or was on top of Holt. I wouldn't say laid on top of Holt. I'm sure he was just there. And then that's when things happened. That's when there was an uproar. Now, I will say this about that. Maine does have a good production, the best production in the East Division. They have the ability to have replays. They have different camera angles and such. If reports out of Maine are true and where the NHL cannot use video review and the referees were looking at the video board to make their decision after they had called goal, there's a problem here. There is a situation where, you know, I don't know if you don't, if you're like college. I know at the University of North Dakota, they do not show replays that are being reviewed. Uh, the video board goes completely blank, so no one in the arena can see it. Um, I think that they after after their decision is made, they show it. But I think that this is a case where they are the only team in the East, I do believe, that uses multiple camera angles and the video board to show play. Johnstown may be an exception in that, but Johnstown also doesn't do replays. Johnstown is very straight away in their situations. So... Rightly or wrongly, uh, Northeast also does multi-camera angles, but they don't have a video board in their arena, so we they can't necessarily review or look it up there. But again, all hearsay and conjecture, what, whatever you want to do, after a couple minutes of delineation, they said it was no goal. Teams go back out there, and uh, it's the second time that Maryland gets jobbed in a goalie interference call. One, Johnstown runs over Luca DePasco. Um uh, I think it was uh, Holt Oliphant, I think, hit DePasco and got a goal out of it, and nothing was called back. Kind of the same situation. Um, but, alas, here we are, and then they get dropped in this one. Goes to a shootout. Maryland does get a point in this, but they uh, are unable to score. Johnny Myers is the only one to score. And uh, three out of four points this weekend for the Maryland Black Bears. So, where does that put us right now? Great question. Thanks for asking. Uh, the uh, Johnstown Tomahawks. Uh, got swept this weekend. So, Jamestown doing the Black Bears a solid. Black Bears moving to second place, one point above the Tomahawks. 
the Jamestown Rebels are now tied for fourth with the Northeast Generals, but the nod going to Jamestown somehow because I guess they played one less game than the Northeast Generals. I guess oh win percentage, of course, Scott. So that's how it stands there. From second to fifth is two points. Maryland plays Jamestown this weekend. You don't think that uh, that uh, that this is going to be a knockdown dragout fight? My goodness gracious. Every point matters, but at the same time, you want to get both points in this. You want to make sure, and, and, and in a four-point swing, you really want to make sure that you can uh, get all the points you can just to distance yourself from every, not only everybody else, but from the team that you're facing. So we will see what happens this weekend. Down in the last three weekends, at Jamestown, at New Jersey, who clinched the East and clinched the uh, uh, close to clinching the league, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, and then uh, back home last weekend, Jamestown Rebels, and this could be for all the marbles. It could be a fun time at Piney Orchard. Get your tickets, tickets.marylandblackbears.com. Never too early to get your tickets for Maryland Black Bears hockey. But it would have been nice to get that extra point. That would be especially when you uh, when you look at the fact that uh, Johnstown got swept and got zero points this weekend. To capitalize on that, meh, we'll see. But focus now, two points, two points, two points, two points, two points. Going forward, you got to get the next, uh, what is that? Uh, we got uh, six games left. You got to get 12 points. Anything less than 12 points is going to be, you know, not great. And again, you want to distance yourself. This, the, this weekend especially, when you have the ability to distance yourself uh, clear uh, of uh, of a team by you know six points at that point because if you win four you're already two points ahead math uh, this is this is when you do it this is when you can do it so we will see how this all pans out hockey TV's got the coverage on that and um, yeah check 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 it out hey also Connor Cole Captain Connor Cole got himself Player of the Week honors as uh, his uh, his weekend. Huge week uh, for him. Two assists in regulation. Shootout winner uh, on Friday. Saturday, goal and assist. And then the game winning that got called back. So a huge weekend for him. And he gets his first honors. Second uh, second honors of the year for the Black Bears. Luke Van Wy, I think, earlier in the season uh, was the guy who got that. So there you go. As uh, good vibes heading into Jamestown. Hopefully get uh, get four points, get out of there. Go to New Jersey, see what happens there. And, uh, yeah, Elliot LaRoe also, honorable mention in this one. So shout out to Elliot LaRoe for honorable mention this week for uh, Star of the Week. So there we go. It's never too early to go clubbing um, unless you're like me in almost 39, and then at every time is a bad time to go clubbing. But uh, we soldier on. Let's go to uh, some club hockey. And we'll go with the uh, the ladies first and the the women's division, uh, the D2, DVCHC, was a thrilling conference to take a part of. And uh, one of the teams that came out of it in a big way was the, univers- uh, the, uh, the university, the United States Naval Academy. The Navy women lost a single game this year. That was against Delaware in October before they uh, ran roughshod across the nation and got themselves a uh, DVCHC regular season and playoff title before going to Nationals and then uh, losing, unfortunately, the final game in a nail-biter 2-1 to to, uh, Dakota College Botnow. But 
I think when you look at this season and the awards that we'll talk about here for the Naval Academy, the women did a very fine job and another building block season for this team who I think when you look at it, when they last played, they were in the uh, college hockey East, the Chi, and they were doing pretty damn well over there. They come over to DVCHC and, again, didn't miss a beat. Uh, in this going 17-1 and 0 with a that's a 9.44 win percentage if you're scoring at home, um, 15 of the wins were in regulation, so that's uh, that's a huge deal for that. Went into the uh, playoffs 11 game win streak, so I mean they were they were a team to be reckoned with, and they finish second overall. Uh, I believe that's how this is reading. Uh, when you look at the, all of this in Division Two, just behind Lake Superior State in the ranking, so uh, Navy did a fine, fine job. And you know you have to. And I think when you look up and down this lineup, there was a ton, a ton of people who contributed from from top to bottom. There was a lot of co- contributions, starting off with uh, Tina Cornelio with uh, 31 goals and 46 points. Only four of those 31 goals were on the power play. Five game-winning goals. Um, she was just all over the place. She was the offensive dynamo. Brooke Gauthier also, very even-keeled player, a very even stat line, 16-19 for 35, three game-winning goals for her as well. Allison Nowicki had a very quiet season in comparison to the other two with 11 goals and 27 points. Uh, on defense, Quinn Ramos uh, was just stellar, uh, not only defensively being able to help support um, in her own zone, but able to contribute as well with uh, nine goals and uh, 11 assists, three of the nine goals being game winners as well, which is not something you usually see from a player on the point. Michaela Stangle also helping out offensively and defensively, uh, six goals, 20 points on the year. And it just goes all the way down the roster. You look at this, there was, there was eight players that were a point-per-game uh, player uh, in this one, and you had uh, uh, Kirsta Wheelock knocking on the door of that, just a, a point short of that. Uh, Marguerite Schillinger with a great uh, defensive showing for herself. I think that the, that you know the keep the players, the role players as we get down the list, were tremendous in all this. I think that this was a team that um, played uh, exceptionally well. Uh, they, uh, hell, you even had a goaltender with a goal in Alexa Smith. Though I think she might she might have played out. I don't know the stat line on this or the story behind it, but it seems like something that should be going into. Uh, so uh, you had you had all of that, and it was just a tremendous season for these women. And you look at the goaltending too, like the goaltending. Julia Chenoweth was the story uh, for this team as well. She ran rough shot over the league, seventeen one and zero, played in all the games. Let up nine goals in regular season and playoff play. Um, just tremendous work. 965 save percentage and 10 shutouts. So Navy was a force to be reckoned with, and they were able to get it done uh, without a doubt. There was no doubts in this one. Uh, that's why they went to nationals and played tough nationally. Uh, and I think that, uh, again, building block season, and they deserve all the recognition they got, and they got a ton of recognition. Uh, it starts off with the coach, Ashley Harper, winning D2 Coach of the Year. Uh, that's, my goodness gracious. Uh, so she, in her first season as head coach, uh, took the number one team in the Southwest uh, Southeast region 
and uh, got him all the way to nationals for this. So uh, a huge, huge starting point as uh, she was a uh, graduate assistant with Stevenson University uh, and then was also worked as a primary recruiter while working with goaltenders and forwards. So uh, for her to have that kind of uh, D3 ability and the recruiting process just made her a natural fit to go to Navy and uh, bring things about. She was also a graduate assistant at Robert Morris, so a D1 school uh, in that instance too. So it's huge. She's the current director of uh, girls hockey at the Navy Youth uh, Youth Hockey uh, Organization. So she is very, very prominent in the community as well. A former Mercyhurst University uh, four-year player. So a huge huge uh, accomplishment for her in just her first season. So if she doesn't get a call to go up to the NCAA level, I'm sure Navy will gladly have her around, not only for the women's squad, but also for the fact that she is able to help with the youth program and bring up the next uh, next talent of women's hockey player, whether it be for Navy or elsewhere, to help develop that. That's huge for women's hockey in general, and especially in the Maryland area. Uh, Julia Chenoweth won the player of the year, and not hard to see why. We ran off the stats earlier. 17-1-0, .52 goals against average, 9.65 save percentage, 10 shutouts. So she took the player of the year, the Zoe Harris player of the year, and the Community Playmaker Award going to Isabel Ross of the Naval Academy. Now, uh, Ross was a another key contributor, especially down the stretch, um, she was able to pot in some pretty big goals on the, uh, you know, a couple goals on the power play here and there, uh, and it was uh, she was a huge contributor. Um, I don't know why I say that's so weird, uh, but uh, she was a, a big, big part of this Navy team going forward, as was everyone on the roster. And for the all-athletic team, Julia Chenoweth gets the first team in the goaltending spot, uh, so that was uh, pretty huge. And that one there, I'm looking at the second team, and they have a goalie as a defenseman, and I'm very confused. In any case, um, that's that's the Navy side of things. Huge, huge year for them. Um, so we will have to see how this goes forward. Uh, you know, you had a lot of you have a lot of players kind of leaving and uh, going on to the next thing, but we will uh, see these uh, players hopefully, and see Navy again building back up uh, for next season. Loyola, the Greyhounds had a gutsy season this year as um, they played, They played, I would say, uh, somewhat shorthanded for most of the season in terms of just roster strength when you look at what happened with other teams, uh, of, you know, against other teams. Uh, they did not just, the, the roster numbers kind of got out to them in the end, but boy, did they have a high offense. I had a high offense starting with Sophia Theodore and her 26 goals and Emma Alexander with her 21 goals. Caitlin Cavanaugh right there as well with 17 goals in this. But everyone on this team had a point. Even Grace Lunder, the goaltender, had two assists on the season. And this was a, this is a gritty team. This is a, a very gritty team. A lot of players coming back from two seasons ago um, after last season was canceled. Anna Sosik was solid defensively, as, as was Victoria Durham. Um, they both were very big anchors back on the blue line. Uh, Julia Pardo, I think, brought a lot of depth and character uh, to this team. Um, you know, everyone across the board 
did a heck of a job. Hell, even Grace Lundor, when you look at uh, nationally, uh, when where she ranks in uh, goaltending for goals against, qualified goaltender, she was third overall uh, in this. And um, when you break down the qualified goaltenders, I don't know what that means. I don't know. What, oh, because the goaltenders didn't. Okay, you put all goalies, and there's a lot of people marked as goalies but weren't there. But all qualified goaltenders, she was third in the, in the uh, nation with 3.44 goals against, 904 save percentage, facing uh, 544 uh, or making 544 saves. So uh, she was uh, she was tested early often, as we saw in some of the playoff games where um, she was uh, she was facing a ton of shots, but uh, she was able to uh, to. To, you know get the team to a winning record which i think that's when you look when you look back and you look at what this team has had to had to endure in terms of roster they were uh i think they pre- did pretty good for themselves they got off to a good start and then things kind of just as as the break happens as you come back from break things just don't go your way you have a tougher schedule going forward and bleep happens so it's uh, it's one of those things. I think this is a team again on the rise. If you can get a couple more recruits here and there, uh, it will help things out a ton uh, for this team who was um, DVCHC champs not too long ago, and were a heck of a story prior to COVID shutting things down as well. Them and Navy were two of the top teams in the uh, in the Southeast region. So a lot to look forward for this team, and hopefully they can build things back up uh, to what they were pre-COVID. And uh, it should be a fun, a fun time to watch. Maryland Terrapins had a little bit of a rough go about things. Um, they, uh, they were kind of, you know, again, a team that was on the rise, on kind of a, a up and down in the year prior to COVID. Uh, this year, comeback had a little bit of a smaller roster towards the end of the season, and just didn't have that oomph that they they once had. They did play uh, a lot of tough opponents. I mean, you you face Navy a couple times, you face Loyola a couple times, you face Delaware a couple times. It's gonna it's gonna wear on you. But I think overall, Maryland played as well as they could. I think that they they, they uh, it wasn't the scoring force like they they uh, they once had. I mean, Alex McKillop. Um, I think the year the COVID year going into it, she had something like forty some goals before the playoffs. Uh, this year, only nine goals. In this, uh, Christina uh, Karabanova had a great season, 10 goals for her on the year. And uh, she was followed by McKillop's nine and uh, Catherine O'Reilly's six. But again, this is a team that through depth were, you know, all the way through, they were doing fairly well. I mean, they got contributions from a lot of people on the squad, a, a, a rebuilding uh, of as you were, as it were. So. I think that that was a big situation for them too. I think that they needed to uh, they needed to go ahead and and you know face a little bumps in the road, face a little adversity, and know what they're up against in the DVCHC. So we will uh, we will have to see how this pans out for Maryland as uh, they are moving forward in, in this goaltending wise. Riley Chadwick saw the most time of the thirteen games this year. Um, Little rough go about it. She had some rough rough outings, uh, two six and zero oh, uh, in this, and uh, Lucy Wilkerson and Connie Benson also got game at times in that. But they uh, the stats do not show that because there are a lot of times where they just have a goal against and then no save percentage. I'm pretty sure they didn't give up uh, however many goals they gave up in that time. But either way, 
Um, this will, uh, again, a, build, a rebuilding season for Maryland, and hopefully with things going back to a little bit of normalcy, get more players out on the ice, get a little bit more of a full roster. Kind of goes the same way with uh, with uh, the uh, Loyola. So we will have to see how this uh, how they the Terrapins reload. And speaking of reloading, we'll talk about Towson. Towson, they're coming off another season prior to COVID where it wasn't the best of years. It wasn't the best of years, wasn't the worst of years, blah, 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 blah. Um, they had a couple of uh, things, uh, just teams working, you know, not – I wouldn't say working against them. It was just teams that uh, had some issues with their team, so not a lot of game time to show for it. But uh, in the greater scheme of things, they uh, they played as uh, as well as they could, given the uh, opportunities. Uh, Catherine O'Malley in net, she uh, she had the most of it with uh, two six and zero, and her nine sorry two six and one in her nine appearances, one tie against Maryland. I forgot about that. Uh, Christine Shell also. Getting some time in, zero uh, and two in her only two appearances, but that's uh, that happens. You get a new goaltender in there. It's going to take some time to get to co- get used to the college game. As a frosh, now, offensively they weren't terrible either. I mean, uh, Anna Keo and uh, Emily Sellers, uh, as well as Lane Sky from the point. Sky had nine points from the point, uh, whereas uh, Keo and Sellers had six uh, had uh, seven and six goals respectively. They played very well together. I think you saw uh, Marissa Rutherford. Come on towards the end of the season, Willie, uh, Lily Warsaw as well. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a not a awful situation going on for it for uh, for Towson again, kind of like Loyola, kind of like Maryland. Restrictions in uh, in roster size, roster size fluctuated. So sometimes you were playing against the full bench and you had a half a bench. It's the nature of the beast in club hockey. Nature of the beast in club sports dealing with university restrictions as well. But a growing year, a budding year, and Towson is very active in recruiting. They want people to come play for them. They want people to, um, you know, go forth the tradition. I mean, we're probably about six years removed from Towson being really the the, the go-to team uh, in the women's division. Three straight or three out of four DVCHC titles. So this is a this is a team that has a lot of tradition with them, and they want to rebuild that tradition back up. And again, with restrictions relaxing, uh, maybe just maybe we can get more people out on the ice. Maybe maybe we can have uh, a nice little uh, teams that can look at Navy and say, "Hey, they can do it. Why can't we?" And they go ahead, and we have ourselves a nice little women's crab pot. That'd be a great time, wouldn't it? Um, so there you go. That is the club wrap for the uh, the women. Uh, congratulations to all the teams who participated this season and all the players who participated this season. It was not without its struggles, I'm sure, but in the grand scheme of things, you got done a season. I think that that's huge, and uh, moving forward, I think that it's going to be uh, a good building block and all these all these games, all this stuff. It's all It all moves forward, folks. It all moves forward to something else. How about some players? Huh? How's some players? Uh... <laughs> Sam Annis, boy, holy crap. A huge week for him. Started off Tuesday night, goal and assist against Hartford. Then on uh, Friday night, two goals and an assist against Hartford. Then on Saturday night, a goal against Province. That's right, six points in three games. On Fuego, as he is going 19-34 for 53 in 60 games. Man, he has turned turned it up this second half of the season. Um, looking at his last 10 games, six goals and five assists 
That's better than a point per game in the last 10 games. So hitting that sweet spot as uh, we get things going uh, into the nitty-gritty for the AHL AHL playoffs as well. Matthew Danzinger had a... uh, uh, a, a goal this week or this week Wednesday uh, Wednesday game against uh, New Jersey and a four to one loss uh, for the junior hat tricks but Danzinger getting his uh, second of the year puts him at five points on the season. Stephen Holiday doing some work uh, assist wise this weekend as Saturday night he had three assists against the Chicago Steel and losing effort with Dubuque that puts him at eighty points on the season thirty goals fifty assists. In 53 games uh, for the uh, for the Maryland slash Canadian resident, Evan Orlov got an assist against Maryland on Friday night. Uh, that was his only point of the week. That puts him at 16 points on the season, four and 12 uh, for his stat line. And Adam Varga getting an assist on Friday night for the Ottawa 67s in a nine to four win over Petersburg. Uh, puts him at uh, eight assists on the season, four and eight. In his last years, things are getting winding down for him uh, in his OHL uh, career. Aaron Randazzo did not see any action, or he did see action, sorry, Friday night. Saw some action against the Green Bay, or the Muskegon Lumberjacks. Boy, just, he plays for Green Bay, Scott. Uh, lost 5-2, to two, 31 saves in that. Puts him to 12-18-2, 3-6-9, dang thing fine on the, uh, GAA and 888 across the board for save percentage, and that's uh, that's that. And that'll do it. We're done. We've done another week. Um, we're getting down to it. Last three weekends for the Black Bears in the NAHL. Uh, AHL, ECHL kind of rounded off in the playoffs. We'll talk a little bit about the, those players that go in there. OHL going to the playoffs as well. Uh, so we will talk all about that. Want to keep tabs? Uh, clutchandcrabhockey.com. There's some stuff that I write up there occasionally. It's mostly game reviews so far because I haven't had the creative spark to write anything else. Uh, Chesapeake HW Pod for all the other stuff that is inclined for this because uh, yeah, we will have uh, that's more more active on that one. But uh, that's it. That's all. You guys uh, be well. I'm Scotty Waz. Take care of yourself and someone else. This has been Chesapeake Hockey Week on the Faceoff Hockey Show Media Faction, brought to you by PodcastMonsters.com. Uh, I gave you all the socials, ChesapeakeHWPod, Twitter, Facebook, uh, ClutchandCrabHockey.com, and uh, that's it. Be good, be safe, stay well, play that Clutch and Crab Hockey, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace.